But turn to Ephesians chapter 5. What did God that the Christian people in America, Europe, and, and so forth around the world could, could acclimate themselves to these foundational truths? You know, the scriptures tells us to go, go to the old ways and um, to, to return to our first foundation or to return to our first love, to, to return to Abraham. Um, in, in chapter five of Ephesians, uh, we see that um, it, it's an it's an address of, of Paul's to to those in Ephesus, and for context, um, it's talking about walking as as children of light, people who uh, are radiant in the fellowship with their king and seek to radiate that will of that king in every measure of the things they do. This one particular scripture can be set aside um, as as itself, and oftentimes we do. It says to have no fellowship at verse 11 with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Now, um, this is the way you handle this is you simply do not deal with nations and this used to be a policy of the anglo-saxon peoples is they sought to bring other nations into fellowship with them in the will of god and as long as we were doing that then we could sustain relationships and partnerships and economic um, uh, endeavors and accomplishments. But this isn't happening anymore. The unfruitful works of darkness, they're not even brought up. And if they are brought up, they're quickly set aside so that we can continue to have our economic arrangement and just taking that economic arrangement with china and saying we will no longer do this but there was a reason that henry henry kissinger did this and encouraged nixon to go this route was because this was the start of the process to take the anglo-saxon peoples down to take away their economic advantage and to utilize slave labor cheap Chinese labor and so forth and bring China along into the world of the Christians without China having to become Christianized. And that was Henry Kissinger's endeavor. And look what we've got. We see the same things happening that continue to happen out of China. And we see a great destruction of our own manufacturing base, things that would drop our, our prices of goods right here at home once again, and everything would come back into balance. Uh, but we do have a lot of mamsy pamsies out here that believe that they're entitled to um, the fruits of other people's labors in America. And indeed that they are entitled to have 401ks and 503bs and all manner of usury programs 
sustained, including their own pension programs of state, federal, uh, counties, administrative positions, uh, the world over. And as a result, it's not sustainable. You cannot continue to pay for two, three, and four generations of individuals to no longer work. How long do you think it's going to be before the Mexicans who are coming to this country, both illegally and illegally, are going to belly up to the podium of work in order to see to it that that we, the Anglo-Saxons, get our, you know, Social Security checks? In the thousands of dollars, you know, uh, most working individual now retirement baby boomers have have had two incomes during their entire working lives. They're going to be drawing twenty five hundred to four thousand dollars each in Social Security uh, plus pensions and so forth um, that will be added to that. And they're looking at 5 million baby boomers, boomers a year for the next 20 years, retiring, having, you know, untold tens of thousands annually to spend. And, uh, you know, as we touched on here a week or so ago, uh, what's his name from the Senate, uh, Schumer, for the first time actually said, you know, we don't have enough workers. And therefore, we need to pass a, an immigration bill now so that we can make these people legal workers. Well, that, that's, that's just a dream. We don't know whether they become legal workers or not. Mm-hmm. They like the system that they're living off of now. Why would they want to really become workers? Oh, I know I railed on there a little bit, but... Um, well, could I add something right quickly? Uh, we all know what a farce the system is, but we do know also that in, in, in the state of Texas Constitution and the so-called Law of the Land Constitution, nobody ever brings this up. You've said it many times. There's no way out of this matrix. In their own writings, it, it clearly says, if at any time this system fails you, trash it. Start another one. Well, I'm yeah. here to tell you, it has failed us. It has failed us. If it ever did anything at all for us, which is debatable. But Exactly. But this next time around, we've learned a few things, haven't we? Maybe like put yeah. his price at the top. You know, wouldn't that be a good well, start? Well, you, you'd really like to hope and believe that uh, we've learned a lesson and that we would truly want to start this thing over. And and again, I think that is exactly why we've got to keep the pressure on. And uh, uh, I was just thinking about uh, the other night I was coming home from work and Mark Levin was was on the radio, and he was railing about the anti-Semitism, of course, you know, with the Conway West thing and Nick Fuentes getting into the Mar-a-Lago, you know, and and uh, 
blah blah blah. You know these, uh, you know these these anti-Semites that Trump's having in there. So Levin is trying to, to of course, cordially indicate that there's a there's a whole lot of other anti-Semites in the closet, so to speak, like the Bidens, the the Obamas, and stuff like that. And as I could tell, it it appeared that he'd spent most of the hour. Uh, trying to inform those who are listening that there's a whole lot of others that have exuded more anti-Semitism, as he calls it, of course, than than just you know a couple of people showing up at the Mar-a-Lago at at at, at the Trump uh, estate there. So, but the point there is is that he's another one of these individuals that we we hear of. Uh, having the podium to hear uh, and telling us about all this anti-Semitism going on. And um, it's all the more conviction to me why we've got to be better at at literally destroying that fallacy. And in everywhere that we walk, in everywhere that we talk with people, we've got to have the 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 real firepower within us to articulate so that we're not just appearing to be um you know some racist and so forth and so that's one of the things that i think i was talking with melissa about some time back too is that is that it's easy for them to attack us because predominantly we've not educated ourselves to understand what it is that we need to understand so as to fight back against really what is a non-argument and really what is a you know a, a non-starter for a slur and that is this anti-semitism that they have used and so we've got to get better at defeating that and once that is accomplished you're on the road to starting to defeat your enemy so again, I think recognizing your enemy um, is is critical. Um, Melissa said in the chat that she started working at the factory in 1996 and she watched with her own eyes what immigration, illegals, and globalism has done. All all in the in idea and the intention, you see, that we're going to share the wealth around the world because it's unfair for a disparity to occur which was occurring with home the anglo-saxon peoples mm-hmm. and of course the way that they have to couch that is that we've been oppressors well that's not true the historical record record has been that where anglo-saxons predominantly went without enemy involvement they went first as those people bringing with them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And with that comes standards and laws, statutes, and judgments that we we abide by, that we live under. And uh, that's, uh, you know, that's now all changed. Um, so, and it's, again, as I say, it's because of the enemies within. So I think the second prong, I'm fairly convicted now that it's either going to be titled the wicked among us or the enemy within. <clears throat> I don't know which title perhaps says it more uh, succinctly. Um, I, I had 
had considered a couple of other different, you know, maybe subtitles, um, the plunderers amongst us and, uh, you know, the power of the deceitful, um, because this is really what we're working with is, is others that are not really informed and have not educated themselves in understanding what's truly happening to them. Um, I have received a number of emails in the last two weeks that I'm convinced are just another part of that Holy Spirit leading that is giving me so much food and ammunition for this part of the enemies. I sent an email out to some of you as well, indicating that I, I just happened to be, you know, thinking about the whole thing with the vaccine and, and this, this one guy's depositions, a slot nurse, whatever his name was. And I remembered that deposition and I pulled it from some, uh, somewhere that I had it saved or whatever and, and looked at it again. And then I decided to, to run that through Wikipedia, that name. And sure enough, um, this is a very valuable tool that we have is, is this early life and history that we find in Wikipedia. <laughs> because I'll tell you, we've not had that before. And we've not been able to sometimes know who the enemies are within. Mm -hmm. And yes, you will know them by their fruits. But sometimes it's been real hard for us to understand the fruits. Because what you have, oh, that the the part that I read several weeks ago from the 1490s regarding uh, what the Jews in France were were looking for counsel from the rabbis, and they were instructed just do what they want you to do. You know, you've got your cold nidra. You know, anything that you do, any vow that you make or anything else, you're covered by that. Um, you know, you just do what you need to do. You make yourself doctors, you make your people lawyers, and you get mm -hmm. yourself in positions where you can kill these people. Now, uh, do you honestly believe that if the vast majority of thinking Anglo-Saxons could read a quote like that, and and I guess maybe they might not believe it at first blush, but you know, it's it's documented. This isn't something we just pull out of thin air anymore. We have this this thing called the Internet that has given us a powerful source of information in which to utilize to identify enemies. And it's just amazing that you cannot put some of these things out and 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 have people begin to say this is this is something that really they would actually instruct people. It'd be like us saying, okay, we're going to instruct people that we know to become doctors so that we can kill those people there. We're going to instruct people to become lawyers so we can obscure the law from them and we can steal their houses and their fortunes and whatever else. People would look at us and say, we're crazy. And yet that's mm -hmm. exactly what's going on. It's exactly mm -hmm. what's happening. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of blame that we've got to put upon ourselves <clears throat> because he's brought this in the word and told us to beware. To beware. Be not deceived. 
And you know all too well that we have. Uh, Eric says he grew up in a textile and furniture manufacturing uh, driven country until NAFTA. Uh, until then, he had a pretty good life. Well, not so much anymore. Except for the fact that now he can probably pretty much get a job wherever he would like and probably could, you know, really uh, not have to apply very much at all. From what I'm looking at here, there's people. I'll give you an example. And, and I mean, no disparaging mark by this. I was floating around on Gab a couple, I don't know, a week or so back. And here's a guy who runs a um, exterminator business. And he's advertising 20 bucks an hour for somebody to answer the telephone and set some and schedule some appointments. Now that is easy for anybody to do. And here's obviously what is a Christian, you know, company trying to do some pest control. Uh, we do have pests. We do need to control them. Um, and from time to time, uh, I wish that we could control some of the pests in our garden. We might have a little better garden. <laughs> but uh, uh, wow, you know, and you you pass that information on to somebody. And. Uh, yeah, well, that sounds great, but. It's as if there's no desire to even make contact. And that to me is just bizarre because you talk about being able to, uh, even if you're trying to do something else in your life, you can do something like that while you're doing the other. You just simply have to have the telephone ready when the phone call comes in and have a little book in your hand and you say, okay, what are you looking for? Yeah, well, we can schedule that. It looks like the week of the 11th is available anytime between three and five. Well, thank you very much. We'll have such and such get in touch with you a day ahead of time and boom, you know, whatever they're, I, that's all you got to do. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's just amazing and astounding that, you know, you can't, you can't find a reason to want to pick up the phone and call that guy and see what you can do. Especially mm -hmm. if you have trouble with the car it's not running or especially if you have other things that are impeding your ability to go somewhere else and do some work you know so i mean like i say we've got problems of our own and, and we know that some of them have been brought on by these wicked among us and it has created an, and fostered an, an environment which is not not good and now here we sit today and and you know there's been some that have said i'm not sure i'm working for my generation i'm working for you know a, a generation after because um this generation is is not is not willing or has lost its its way um but anyhow I started this with Ephesians there just because what Russell brought out about, you know, Chinese and and this goes the case for all these nations that several weeks ago I brought out how 
many of these nations, India and China and others, are are going back to learning of their old gods, their old pagan gods. Well, that was not the case in India when Christianity went to India. And, you know, we sought to have relations with with those people who were uh, willing to uh, to trust, believe, and follow the Christian way. And you know, I'm I'm not saying that everything went pie in the sky, you know, at those times or anything else. But predominantly, as we were going into the world with that great commission to be the blessing to all the peoples of the earth, that was the predominant intentions. And as I say, when you allow the the wicked among us to enter in and they start manipulating policy and so forth in order to profit, gain, and control, then it changes the it changes the dynamic immeasurably, and it becomes very difficult then to, you know, find your new mooring. And so as these nations begin to turn, and so forth, and go back to these old ways, it is the Anglo-Saxon Christian duty and responsibility to once again withdraw until they see the light again and the air of the way. And they are willing to, you know, change what they're doing. So I'm not sure exactly what I really had planned for tonight. I kind of wanted to open the door up to a few basic things. I, I made myself an outline with regards to the wicked among us. And that's usually what I'll do is I'll, you know, I have something that presses on me importantly and, and I'll, I'll make a little outline. So. Under my outline, I figured, well, the first thing we've got to do is we've got to identify the wicked amongst us. You know, one of the art of war is that you you need to know your enemy. If your enemy knows you better than you know yourself, then he's already won. And uh, clearly, we're in a situation where uh, our enemies uh, know us better than we do ourselves, and so therefore they we're easily conquered because their knowledge of us. So that was one of my uh, my outlines is that we've got to identify him. And secondly, how to know that they are enemies. And um, the fruits of an enemy, what would be the fruits of an enemy was my third article in my in my outline. And what should be the judgment upon upon these your enemies and then any obligations or duties that we have in in dealing with them and perhaps four and five would be reversed because ultimately the judgment would be the judgment that god has commissioned upon them and uh you know this is this is the the age-old question are we supposed to carry out uh, the judgment upon the enemies, those that will not have the nobleman reign over them. And I think we've got to, you know, analyze what our duties and obligations are 
uh, otherwise the enemies will will predominate and they will return the people to the chaos and the destruction that God clearly in his word was putting together a process for the created to not succumb to their own destruction by you know self-destruction upon each other and so that's just a few of the the notes that i took on a basic on a basic outline and i'm fully open as many of you i've indicated in the past weeks you have things that you know and have come across feel free to take a take a leg of this or something or just you know a, a portion of a leg and say yeah these are some things that maybe i think fit under this or whatever and and who the individuals are that are involved in them and naming them by name uh you know clearly identifying what those fruits are and so forth and you know some of us uh may have personal stories of of even some situations that we don't necessarily want to bog down into personal stories, but you can certainly use a personal story as a segue into how you identified or began to identify or understand uh, the wicked among us, you know, and and how that that happened for you or things of that nature. So some scriptural aspects that that I threw down initially just as kind of an introduction to this uh this next phase of what we did uh in the past several months essentially of fellowships would be um in in identifying let's turn to let's turn to the book of psalms and we'll just go through a number of them from psalms and um kind of get the juices flowing in mind, so to speak, about um, identifying them. And I'm going to turn to chapter 62 of Psalms. I just got a couple jotted down. Um, we can actually hit Psalms 58 just right before, and I just landed on that page. Um, Psalms 58 has, um, you know, look at, look at this uh whole chapter essentially of 58 uh do you indeed speak righteousness O congregation do you judge uprightly O sons of men you in heart you work wickedness you weigh the violence in your hands in the earth the wicked are estranged from the womb they go astray as soon as they be born speaking lies their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They are like the deaf adder that stops the ear, which will hearken to the voice of charmers, charming never so wisely. Break their teeth, O God, in their mouth. Break out the great teeth of the young lions, O Yahweh. Let them melt away as waters which run continually when he bends his bow to shoot his arrows. Let them be as cut in pieces. As a snail which melts, let every one of them pass away like ultimately birth of a woman that they may not see the sun. You know, do you speak righteous? Okay. The, the, 
So we we want to identify the wicked among us as to whether they speak speak righteousness. We want to identify whether they judge uprightly. We want to know if they're working wickedness and and whether they have violence in their hands. Um, this is a, a little bit of an identifier over on uh, 62 of Psalms. I jotted this one down. Specifically, verse 4, I don't know if there was anything more. How long will you imagine mischief in verse 3 against a man? You shall be slain, all of you, as a bowing wall shall you be, and as a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. So another one of the identifiers, blessing with their mouth, cursing inwardly. And we see that. We see that. We hear these blessing with their mouth, but yet cursing us inwardly. You know, the Judeo-Christian ethic. You know, that's blessing us with the mouth and cursing us inwardly. The vast majority of Christians, professing Christians, don't have any idea that they curse the goyim and yet hold us up as as being somehow joined with them blessing us with their mouth um flip back to psalms 49 at 49 6 they that trust in their wealth boast themselves in the multitude of their riches do they not boast in their wealth and in the multitude of their riches and do whatever they will? Sure seems that way to me. Psalm 62, 4, I guess I did read that. Um, I had a couple in Nehemiah. So, as I say, this is kind of more or less just a way of priming the pump, so to speak, in, in getting our thoughts to think about uh, all of the areas in which we might see um, I must have one of my pages open too far or something. I'm not finding my Nehemiah. There you are. Nehemiah chapter 4. Might want to go ahead and context. Um, this is where Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians had. Uh, Ammonites and Ashdodites had all seen about the uh, the wall being re rebuilt. 
breaches began to be st stopped and they were they were very wroth they were despisers they they hated this and and see what do we see going on is those that that are being despised because we want to we want to build up the wall we want to stop the breach in the wall if you will or the breach in our in our belief in the in our foundation and that's just another one of these examples of in my mind where they they identify themselves by the things that they do like that uh, nehemiah chapter 9 and if somebody else has something in their thoughts, you speak up anywhere along here. Nine. Uh, hey, guys. Yeah, go, Eric. Hey, Doug. Um, so, you know, in my mind, I feel like we know who the enemy is. And it's uh, it's it's very clear. Uh, we know who Satan's kids are. And it, it is, they are the Jews. That's, that's who they are. My mind is very clear on that. But I think that maybe... You know, a take on it is to just get back to uh, uh, Yahweh's um, conditions and results of obedience and then what the conditions and results of disobedience are. And I found that in like if you turn to Leviticus 26 2, uh, starting at three, I'll read just I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm just kind of just read it kind to kind of get the gist of it. If you starting at verse three, it says, if you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in the season thereof and the land shall yield its produce and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Um, it goes on. It says uh, I'm, I'm just kind of skipping through. I don't want to take everyone's time. But uh, it says, if you chase your enemies, they shall fall before you by the sword. Five of you shall chase a hundred, a hundred of you shall chase 10,000 to flight, and your enemies shall fall beside you by the sword. Now, and it goes on, if you start at verse 14, well, what happens if you don't? And I think that's where we are today. Um, we, we know, again, who the enemy is um, among us, but it, it starts at verse 14. It says, but if you hearken not unto me and do not all these commandments, then and if you despise my statutes and your soul shall abhor my ordinances so that you do not do my commandments, then you will break my covenant. And I will also do this to you. I will point over you terror, consumption, fever, uh, which shall cause the eyes to fail and the soul to waste away. And you shall sow your seed in vain and your enemies shall eat it. And it goes on. And it's exactly, you know, where we are today. It's like our. Our whole soul is just devastated by what we see around us. And it's, uh, and I think that, you know, at the end of the day, that's what it goes back to is it's, it's God, we're not going to deliver ourselves from this. God is going to deliver, deliver us. And um, I, I forget, I heard something yesterday and it's talking about, I forget how many years ago, but the uh, Anglo Saxon uh, whites represented. 35% uh, of the world's population, and we're now at 10% and and falling, right? And and this is by design. They have every, you know, it's like uh, the adage, they want us to die, and they're going to do everything in their power to do that. So again, that's just that's just my take on it. It's it's uh, you know, I'm very clear on who the enemy is. I know it, but 
again, I think that it's it, it, this goes back to it's it's it's, it's covenant, right? And uh, the conditions of being obedient and then also being disobedient. That's just my thoughts. Yeah, amen. I uh, can't disagree with it at all. You know, it's uh, absolutely exactly uh, spot on. And unfortunately, we have a professing Christian uh, community out here that thinks that this, you know, this part of the Bible is is of no value or consequence anymore. Um, uh, you know, God has changed. He's, he's a new God. He's a different God. This is a, this is a God of grace and love. And uh, that that has all passed away. And it's, uh, again, you know, uh, I hear you. We, we, we can identify the enemy. We can clearly understand what we've got. We've got a vast amount of those amongst us that, that do not know that enemy and do not know the scriptures that you're citing here in, you know, in Leviticus uh, as well at 26, 16, you know, um, when you, when you see that your enemies shall eat it, um, you know, this, you'd like to know that people's eyes would open up and say, they really are eating our substance. So we're not you know, really eating the substance of others. And I know that there's a propensity of people at times think, you know, I don't want to know any more about the enemies. I've heard enough. Um, I, I think that what I've experienced and what I've witnessed seems to be that those who have an idea of who their enemies are um, have had a propensity to use kind of the same old mantra, the same old talking points, I guess, for lack of a better term, that that tends to not fully and completely um, lay it out. And I, I think that has clearly been evident in, in our war propaganda, if you will. And the enemy rolls us over because we've not had the ability to not let that happen. And I think you're right what you're saying here, getting back to these principles, but in having these principles and foundations, part of that is understanding, it appears, what exactly will be happening when we read those scriptures, you know, um, that's a very good classic example, uh, Leviticus 26, four, uh, uh, 12 to seven, uh, 14 to 17. That's the punishment or the, you know, the judgment that is to be on uh, the disobedient. And, and it's not just that he's claimed that judgment on us being disobedient against him. It's also the same judgment that we've seen biblically meted out against the wicked for their own disobedience. And that's, to me, just wonderful that I get to see such a just God executing those judgments upon the wicked. And 
I know we're all sitting here in a time desirous of God carrying out that judgment upon the wicked. And so how do we get to this point? And what can we do in assisting brothers and sisters in Christ to you know, come to the love of the truth? And scripture also, the record conveys to me that he was patient with us, wanting us to come to the truth. And his prophets were admonished to continue to do that, even though those prophets argued with God and said, how can you set me to do this task? Do you not see how wicked they are and how wicked they've become? And that, you know, I think sometimes we lose sight of as well. That every one of those prophets was sent to those Israelites. And God, in his own way, he lamented and said, I would have gathered you like chicks under my wings. And you refused. So, the, doing what the prophets did, they identified the wicked, even amongst their own, and especially amongst their own. Um, obviously, in the biblical record. And so, like I say, I think in some respects, it really becomes incumbent upon us as true disciples and apostles of his divine will and intention. It, it's incumbent upon us to drive home in the best way we can and show the error of the way. And if we draw but one soul from that eternal damnation back into his grace and uh, redemption, then you know, we've accomplished a major feat. Um, and he even tells us to warn the wicked. And obviously he's speaking of warning the wicked amongst us within our own ranks. And it's kind of time for us to start recognizing that he does consider that those that are disobedient are the wicked. So we can point fingers at one particular enemy, which, as I said, is part of, I believe, the leading that I've had to try to get better at identifying and articulating uh, what th these elements of the wicked are, so to speak. So that they might be more recognized um, because let's face it, our people don't seem to recognize that there's anything wrong with these people called Jews today. And if there's one thing that I can do to maybe open their eyes to that, they might better see the wickedness amongst them themselves. Uh, just like aspects of usury. It's, it's just incredible. I mean, I talk to people all the time while I was doing these things with finance for years, people came to us and said, get this thing about God out of this thing and th this thing will blossom and prosper like you wouldn't believe. We're like, no, that's the whole purpose of it. This is our foundation. We're teaching what we teach in regards to economics and finance and so forth because 
this is the way of God. Taking no usury of your brother means something. It's not just some empty word there. Usury of anything, usury of vittles, usury of, you know, substance, money, any of these things that you can take usury upon somebody, you're not to do it. And this practice amongst us is what has given the plunderers great wealth off of the backs of the very people that they've been plundering. So, you know, I could be completely wrong in the approach or anything else. And um, it's just, you know, one of those things. But I agree with you, Eric. There's no doubt. It's very easy to just clearly look at it and say, and, and again, I'm trusting that all of us in our lives are doing exactly that. We're coming back into that obedience and, and have been for some time. And that's where we definitely want to remain. While we continue to do what we've been commissioned to do. And let's face it, there, but by the grace of God, go either one of us. Because we've all been in that state of deception. And I, sometimes I try to look back and I say, how did, how did I ever come out of this? And, and I'll tell you something, maybe some of you can reminisce with this. Uh, it was not hard for me at all. I mean, I was in my 20s and I started seeing all this stuff and it was like totally in conflict. And of course, the first thing that it started was with patriotism, you see, and and certain aspects of the Constitution. And my word, I'm seeing these contradictions in this document and I'm like, well, what gives? It was very easy for me to to realize this. And I do believe that that's part of God's working in those that are his, that that are really his, that he works on them to have those eyes open. Some it may be earlier and some it may be later. So I mean no inference that, well, I was able to see it when I was in my 20s. You know, what happened to you guys that took you till 40? No, I don't mean anything at all like that. But for some reason, it was just very easy for me. Maybe it was because of the foundation of my own home. Um, very strong Christian background and strict parents that had an expectation that you abide in in the will of the structure of the home. Um, so it could it could be a number of things. I certainly wasn't impressed by the church per se. I've told the story that one of the things that that so embedded in my mind was. I was brought up Lutheran, and as I was in a Sunday school class, the teacher wrote up on the blackboard that Jesus looks at me just if I'd, and she wrote just if I'd never done it. Well, I really had a problem with that because my dad never looked at me like I hadn't done it. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. <laughs> If I'd done something, he wanted to make sure that he known that I'd done something. But the beatings commence. 
<laughs> you know, and and so I had a real problem with that. It didn't square. It didn't mesh, you know, uh, with what I was learning at home. And so I think that's those are ways in which God works in us, you know, at various times and various stages. And, and um, I never did go to a real organized church once I, you know, once I became what I guess you would call my my adolescent youth. And at 16, you know, I told my parents, uh, you've trained me well, it's time for me to go. My dad said, well, all I can tell you is don't look back, don't come back. And you know, at the time, being young, I, I you know, that hurt. But mm-hmm. I realized in very short order what my dad was saying to me by the time I was 18, I understand, understood clearly what that meant. And that meant, don't you come running back here with your tail between your legs. You've declared yourself a man, so you show yourself worthy. And... Uh, that was the consequence of, of you know, the, the words that he spoke and the manner in which he spoke them. But you can see how many young individuals having something said like that, you know, uh, don't look back and don't come back. Um, he in no way meant that I was not to return home in any way, shape or form. But it was his way of saying, don't you come back here with your tail between your legs. You're declaring yourself worthy to be called a man, then become it. And so powerful lessons, maybe uh, that you know, that helped me to separate myself from from what turned out to be, you know, a Christianity that that could have turned me into a you know, a zombie, a Christian zombie, as opposed to somebody truly wanting to search and find the word and the the meaning of it. So those are some things, I guess, that I was looking at that that, um, I felt real moved and real led here several weeks ago as I started the series on, you know, this this ungodly theology of the last days, which is just literally put Christianity into a stupor, into a a silent zombie state, unable to do anything because they're so spiritually heavenly minded, they can't be any earthly good. Now you find Christians wanting to somehow be earthly good, realizing that it has all been, you know, all but slipped away from them. And if we can't identify some of these enemies and they can't get rid of that baggage of that theological baggage or anything else that has has made them misidentify enemies uh then it seems to me that we're going to continue to fall and and be hard-pressed to to get the next generation back Go ahead. No, I'm just agreeing with you, Dad. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, I definitely understand the sentiment uh, that at times I, I weary of it, Eric. I really do. It's like I've said it before. I've used the, the analogy. You know, I don't need it's like the nation and America's constitutional idolatry. You know, Russell started out indicating, you know, each one of these documents across the state has that one provision in it that says if you feel the need to alter, abolish and start anew, then your right is reserved to you to do that. Well, nobody's really understood what that, you know, amendment or provision actually means and how it is that you actually implement it or carry it out. And um, implementing it and carrying it out is is essentially what we do within our own homes and our own confines. Now you have to somehow encourage the greater community that there's a problem. And why it is that it's time, as Russell said, for us to to implement that provision which says we can cast off that government that's been you know become destruction or that that community that has become destructive to those ends. So um, if I had all the answers, uh, I I probably would already have been taken up. Mm-hmm. So, so you're gonna have to bear with me, I guess. <laughs> oh, brother! But at any rate, um, I I do believe that we have a vast number, and, and I feel sorry for them. I don't, I don't know how all the rest of you come down on that. I don't mean I feel sorry for them in this in this emotionally, you know, energized way, feeling sorry for some. It, it, would to God that they would have their eyes open and they would see. And um, did that change topics for just a minute? Sure. Um, what is Rich's status, number one? And number two, I think I've gone through COVID again and uh, here, COVID's disappeared, and now everybody's getting the flu. <laughs> so I would, I would like for you to comment on Rich, and then if anybody cares to know what my symptoms are, I'll tell you. Uh, to elaborate on Rich, um, uh-huh. keep him in prayer. Um, okay. As I've said to all of you before, he's got a wife that's uh, very, very knowledgeable um, and understanding health issues um, as a general rule. And sometimes you get whacked pretty hard and you can't figure something out that might be happening. And so she needs Mm -hmm. prayer that God will continue to, to open her understanding to something that is going on for him physically obviously our prayers are that god's hand would heal him and maybe that's what he's intending is that it will exhaust nancy's intentions it will exhaust rich's intentions and we know sometimes our god works this way he wants us to do to drop our self-reliance 
to the point that we fully surrender that reliance on him. It could be that that's what's going on. Um, in any way, our prayer has been that his will is being done. And um, so it's, 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 he's still not uh, uh, under any illusion that he's got healing. And between the minds, there's no real clarity on what's actually going on. Uh, you can speculate on these sorts of things because of what you've seen in society and community and so forth. And uh, you can eat as healthy as you can. And, um, you know, there's other other factors that play into this that we think we know and many that are unknown. So so he's still struggling. He's 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 he said he's waiting the big healing. And so that's what we'll do likewise is continue to be in prayer for it. And that's all I can give you on it right now is it's it's not gotten better uh, with all of the efforts that have been undertaken. So. So I spoke to him here just uh, before Thanksgiving and and uh, had continued prayer with him and so forth. So I definitely ask that everybody just that in prayer um, so he's one of us and and we're looking forward to hearing that that miraculous healing that we will once again stand and praise God as we've done so often before so I'm just looking forward to that uh, like I say we may be in one of those cases where it has to be shown to us that you're not going to rely on this anymore you've you've done fine done all this but at this point here it's going to be done this way and so back to you with with a reenactment uh, of covid you think in in the household there yes absolutely went to houston three weeks ago got back on a sunday night and i determined to myself that you know we need to fast at a minimum once a year and and i thought <clears throat> my time is now so i went into a fast and as i fasted i was weary but expecting that then something developed like a switch in the night that wasn't correct I, I got off the fast as planned. Cindy and I both developed a horrible cough. We did not have fever, but we had upper respiratory something. And to this day, as of today, I've still got pus in there that I have to spit out, you know, and this is not normal. And um, my little brother said, "You've got you've got the new variant." And I said, "Are you kidding me?" And of course, you go to the internet, and here's this list that covers everything of that would encapsulate any living human being has caught the variant. But it was not an ordinary 
it wasn't anything ordinary. It, it was unique, as if it came out of a lab. I mean, I don't know any other way to describe it. So, uh, I'm, I'd say the primary thing of the whole thing is weakness. Well, I was very weak uh, physically. So that, so I don't know about the rest of you guys, but there's. Uh, and what's interesting is nobody cares about this second one, really. It's tough. Titty said the kitty, get over it. <laughs> That's the attitude. And then that first one, boy, we shut down and we shut the whole thing down. And and King's Image goes without a customer for a year. And then all of a sudden, when our taxes didn't stop for that year, so now how are you going to pay the property taxes? You know, mm-hmm. so so this is uh, leading me to believe that my enemy <laughs> planned all this, and so yeah, I want to learn how to fight back. Uh, you know, is there a book a book in the Bible that says here's a plan to attack the enemy? That's what I would like to uh, dwell on. Well, and I think Eric, you know, you know, has has articulated that it, it's that, as we know, is there. You know, follow it, and I'll I'll be your rearward. I'll I'll take out your enemies, and um, there's no truer statement than that. And well, I think. What we see is individually, we're all doing this. As I say, we're abiding in that. And those enemies are are being taken away from us, if you will, in the respect that uh, not directly always plaguing us. And we see, we've talked about it, you and I, Russell, you know, we see the hand of God in so many things in our daily lives, you know, whether it's a piece of equipment that's, not working right and a guy stumbles in the door that you haven't seen for 10 years and and mm-hmm. he's a godsend because he's the guy mm-hmm. that can help you with this issue and mm-hmm. um so again i th- i think it's clearly you know that we stay grounded in it and then again we've got to work on those around because that's our commission our commission is to is to continue to inform and teach the gospel message and when david's talking about his enemies and and zachariah says we're going to be free from our enemies um you know in luke chapter one and then then we gotta have a little bit of an understanding from time to time of how to identify these enemies and what it is that they've been doing and how it is that it is manifesting itself um to your destruction and wouldn't have to go here at all it just like i say it was something that was kind of seemed to be laid on my heart here uh several weeks ago i felt like there was an understanding that he was telling me that here is the one two of this thing you've got this false theology that has neutered you it has made the professing christian incompetent because they're all going to go away. 
this world's not my home. I'm going off to be with Jesus. I don't care what happens in this world. And then as they see the world destroyed around them and their environment, uh, their community around them, then they start suddenly saying, well, I didn't know that this was really what I was going to be signing up for. <laughs> well, it's all biblical, you know, just as Eric read to us. I mean, we could go right back into, you know, Deuteronomy and, and Leviticus and, and reacclimate ourselves with Deuteronomy 28 and blessings and curses. And it's not foreign to us. We've we've got a handle on that and we're living there our lives in accordance with that. And I'm trying to figure out ways in which that maybe this will help for a little bit of analogy as we run close to being out of time. I had a conversation with another brother in Christ here this week. We got together and had a, a dinner and so forth. And I, I mentioned to him that we've really got to be cautious about what's happening right now. And some of you may be able to, you know, confirm this as well. We've got a lot of these individuals out here that are now these uh, professionals, if you will, that are starting to see the light. And yet, as they are seeing the light, we're actually seeing a fight now amongst the professionals. We've got all these professionals that are doing this Substack. You know, Substack is the place for professionals. You know, it's like Twitter for, for professionals. That's the way I see it. And so they've all got a Substack. They're all asking for subscribers and donors and all the rest of this. And now they're starting to fight with each other. The very movement that began to recognize what was happening to the people in this country and, and the world over with regards to the whole COVID fraud, now they're fighting amongst each other because someone is saying something, and I'll give the names. You got Robert Malone, who's been out on this mass formation psychosis, and everybody you know jumped onto it, just like the Steve Bannon on on uh, the one American News or the the other one uh, America Real America's Voice. Um, you know, having a sign that says there are no conspiracies. I mean, what a moron. I, I don't I don't know what planet he's living on because there definitely are conspiracies. And if he read the definition of a conspiracy, then he should know there are conspiracies. If he knew anything about the Bible, which apparently he does not, because he's a good Catholic, and most Catholics don't know to read their Bible and are told not to, in fact then it's probably the reason he doesn't understand that conspiracies are in the biblical record. So my point in bringing this up is that here you have those within the professional ranks now who are actually seeing the enemy. The enemy as being the one worlder and so forth. And then the other professional class that's too mature and they want to rise above the so-called conspiracies of the ages you know or the age of, of the past centuries and whatever and 
so you've got this already dissension that's growing between the two. And I agree and fall on the side of the people that are trying to expose who the wicked and evildoers are. And so it seemed as another witness to me here just of late as I began to look at some of the dialogue from these professionals who originally came out and stood strong against what was happening and stood on some fairly, you know, solid ground and then also began to correlate what was happening with not a conspiracy theory, but the actual reality of the wicked amongst us, the enemies amongst us who have been perpetrating it. And so here again, it'd be just like in the days of Paul and so forth. You had the Greeks, the Stoics, the Hellenists. You had the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and they're all of a different temperament, a different mind in what is the real reality or the real truth, so to speak. And that's what we've got going on here. And so as others are trying to you know, help to teach and to train um, about what's going on with regards to this latest medical issue in the country and the world, I'd like to be there to assist in that with proper articulation of these so-called conspiracy theories. And that's another thing that we've got to be able to do. Um, and I think a lot of them are seeing this enemy that we have come to know and call the Jews amongst us that are an enemy. And as they have come in and infiltrated the actual health and academia field, um, it, I think it's, it's having an impact on some of these in, individuals. And to that, I say, God bless. And those are some more that, that they need our help in understanding how it all ties together biblically. And for whatever I'm able to do, I know that people send these audios out. I get emails from people I don't know. And I've got a doctor that's uh, been communicating with me. Uh, his name is Yoho. I think that's what it is. And, um, you know, I've had a couple little communications with him that I've kind of corrected him on a couple of his kind of stinking thinking things, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a Christian way and manner. Um, and I think that's having an impact. It's opening the eyes up. Um, to you know some greater understanding because it's very easy to fall into this idea that oh we're just all under this mass psychosis and we do this together because we all just fall into this thing and overall oh, in hysteria and so we all do stupid stuff no 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 uh, yes that does happen but it isn't the reason that something's happening to us and we need to get to the reason that something's happening to us and we need to identify those wicked so that we can truly hold them accountable. And if we're going to let them continue to masquerade as the people that they are not, I think we're we're really doing a disservice to the work of God that he's got planned for us in this hour, in our time, to have the knowledge that we've been blessed with and the understandings that we've had biblically to not continue to wrap them in and articulate them and using stories just the way Christ did.
um, his parables were stories of modern day situations or things that could be understood by the people of the day, and they would recognize those enemies. And I guess that's what I'm going to try to do as we forge ahead in some of these next upcoming fellowships. And I'm again, as I say, I'm opening the door to everybody, as I always do. Um, you know, think about it and pray about it and and let the spirit uh, move you with some thoughts and so forth that you think will be, you know, helpful and beneficial as as we do that. and. Perhaps oh, it'll be a short series. <laughs> Perhaps it'll be long. I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing. I have been calculating the cost. I have literally been calculating the cost. I, I'm not sure people understand the real cost um, that these wicked have accumulated from the sword of our brow so hopefully we can get into it i know we're at the top of the hour let's open or close with prayer heavenly father we do put brother rich up to you again father uh, he's not here with us this evening and father we, we trust that that's your will father we just ask for your complete and utter healing upon him we know it's for you and for your will but we want to praise and give you glory for that that healing reach in there and touch whatever's going on in that body and Amen. have it be vanquished from his body that they yeah. would be able to enjoy whatever parts of the life that you had left for them to enjoy uh, rich and nancy i put nancy in prayer to you again father that if if yeah. if will is that she let go and that and that she let you father let her let go so that you can be that healing hand amen, amen. father i just ask it. i pray for it i pray that your will be done in it I thank you for the immense outpouring that that came our way with with our loss in Judy's mother and and father what a what a difficult state it it had to be for for her for so many years sometimes we find ourselves thinking about what it was like for us and and hardly ever considering what it was like for her to have your mind be in utter darkness and not understanding and comp contemplating all the things that you used to do you used to know the things you used to understand mm -hmm. so father just thank you for the opportunity it gave each of us and in, in our home to to minister unto her and and to see this this part of life uh, that gets blacked out for somebody and that you gave us all the means, all the opportunity. You set everything in motion for for us to to spend those seven years ministering to her and, and to doing those things and, and predominantly, obviously, Father Judy. And just thank you for the blessing, the immense blessing that she provided her to know that she did not go the way of the world in letting her mother go as so many want to do 
and just to be warehoused. And just praise you and give thanks and glory to you for the opportunity that <clears throat> that you made available for us to uh, actually provide for her. Father, I just pray for all of your people, wherever they are. Um, you know their needs, and we pray that your will be done in their lives, whether it be for things uh, they need in their work environment, their home environments, and their business, and so forth. Father, just strengthen us to hold on and to to continue to, to stay grounded in all that you've instructed us to, to abide in your will. So we just thank you for that, Father. Thank you for continuing to just be with each and every one of us, leading and guiding and directing our every step and allowing us no more to fear and to speak boldly in your name. And that, praise Father, is the greatest gift at all that I get to speak in your name. And I want to make sure that every word that I speak is exactly what you would have me to speak. So. I thank you for everybody here in the fellowship and for those that pull these archives and pass them on to each other. Pray that we continue to edify those that can't be here with us. We just thank you so much for all these blessings, Father. Thank you for so much awakening in of your people's eyes and, and their minds. Father, we just pray for them all. Asking these things in the blessed holy name of your son. Bring them to your ears in the most fitting way. Amen. 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 Good night. All right, everybody. Good night now. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.